Really invest your time in, in creating deep relationships within the community that you live in. And part of that is understanding that local history more deeply. The world has never been changing more rapidly, dislocating the ways we work, learn and live. On the Learning Future podcast, we discuss the knowledge, skills and dispositions we all need for our learning future, exploring insights with world-class educators, researchers, policymakers and leaders from across industries and across the world. Welcome to the Learning Future podcast. I'm your host, Luca Parry, and today it's my delight to be speaking with Hayley McGuire. Hayley is a proud Darable and South Sea Islander woman from Rockhampton, Central Queensland, Australia, and she's a passionate advocate for Indigenous social justice and First Nations-led education. Hayley has worked with young people all across our globe to advocate for first uh, for the rights uh, of education through the UN Secretary General's Global Education First initiative. She is also the co-founder and national coordinator of the National Indigenous Youth Education Coalition co-chair of Learning Creates Australia and is an Obama Foundation leader in the Asia Pacific. She is also very busy. Thank you so much, <laughs> Hayley, for joining us today for this conversation. Thank you for having me and I'm a proud supporter of long-winded titles, so thank you <laughs> for indulging me. Oh, embrace it, I say. Oh, look, you're doing some brilliant work. So my first question is, what's, what's something you've learned recently? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And it's, I think it's a good challenge for all of us to like reflect every week on something new mm. that we've learned, right? But actually, um, one of the things I've recently learned was actually on my 30th birthday, which was a couple weeks ago. Happy birthday. Thank you. Well, I, I went home and I actually spent my birthday, unfortunately, at my friend's, childhood friend's funeral. Wow. And um, yeah, it was... It was kind of like a bittersweet um, celebration of, yeah, young life, but also how deeply my friend had formed friendships mm. um, with people from our small town um, in central Queensland, you know, and, you know, a lot of people from our primary school, a lot of people from my childhood were there as well. And I think, you know, one thing that I took away from that was I've kind of gone on this journey where I've focused on working at the national level or, you know, connecting internationally. And that's that's been really great and fantastic, but also, like, just the importance of never forgetting your roots, never forgetting um, where you come from and the community that made you, really. And mm -hmm. so... I think that's that's something that is really, really important to me. And I think that's where we all kind of get a sense of our own authenticity in a sense. And, like, I'm really passionate about, you know, no matter who you are, like just being true to who you are and your values. And, like, I feel like going back home and spending that time and reconnecting with some of my childhood friends was just really, really important um to to get that sense of grounding again mm. and and even you know as i've moved away i've um developed like different kind of like political positions to some of my friends back home or some of my family back home um you know it was so random you know just having different catch-ups we we did get into like some political type of conversations sure but just you know, because at the foundation was like this deep love and respect that we had for each other, we were able to like really disagree on um, some conversations, but the respect and 
the love was never lost. Mm. And so, yes, just a couple of things that I took away from my trip back home. It's a beautiful starting point, I think, because uh, really it's a kind of, it's a question of, it, this is a question not necessarily of the ideas or the skill sets and some of the things we often talk about when we think about education or learning. It's really a, a question about who we are and who we want to be. You know, and there's nothing actually like, um, well, frankly, like a reminder of the finiteness of our life. And we recently had Zenith Virago on this podcast who she calls herself a death walker. You know, she walks with families towards, you know, and, and helps the kind of celebration of somebody's life. But often those are really tragic moments as well. You know, and it's, it's kind of this idea of some of the work that we're involved in together, you know, around like who we are, what we know and what we can do. And that piece around identity as being just so crucial of being kind of in integrity with the values, understanding mm-hmm. where we've come from and what we can contribute to the world. I mean, there's a real, there's a, there's a lot in that. And uh, it seems to me that all, across all these kind of portfolio of projects you're involved in, Haley, or that you've co-founded or you've, you've worked on directly, you know, what is one of the big ideas that you think is a thread that's woven uh, in all of them? Yeah, I think what I'm coming to realise or what I've just been thinking of over, oh, yeah, the past few years, especially with building the National Indigenous Youth Education Coalition, um, you know, getting more educated about Australia's education system and the colonial Mm. legacy that it has is that actually First Nations-led education is a reclaiming of education and learning. It's um, not anything new, but it's, it's actually saying that, yeah, standing strong in kind of like my identity and standing strong in um, as a as an Aboriginal woman and as a sovereign woman and saying that actually our knowledge systems are worth protecting mm. and that around the country like so many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people are going through an education system responsible for passing down the longest continuing culture in the world Within, a, within an education system that actively tries to disappear it. Like that, that's kind of the strength of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people right now. And so I'm, I think about a lot how what's the kind of journey forward to continue building on all the great work that MOB have already done in this space mm-hmm. to continue that reclaiming. Yeah. Tell me... When, you, when we talk about, you know, this phrase self-determined, um, mm-hmm. just take us into what that truly means because I think it's thrown around in Australia um, in particular quite often. You know, what's the, what's the link around? Like what, why self-determination? Yeah. Well, I think, and this is another thing I didn't realise, but I heard it in, in a meeting where someone referred to self-determination as like an individualistic type of framing or term, but actually self-determination is a collective term. And when we talk about self-determination, it's about Indigenous people as a collective being able to live their lives in a way that, um, you know, is in line with their cultures, traditions and languages, you know, and, and safeguards their future. And, you know, so much of this continent has been about um, 
trying to disappear that. Um, oh, mm. sorry, I'll just. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great point. Um, I mean, even the languages that we use, Ailey, the language we use, the way that we frame, you know, discovery, introduction, yeah. invention, uh, you know, um, or, you know, like explorers, colonizers, invaders, you know, language really yeah. does reveal our mental models and our kind of our belief systems. Yeah. We, yeah. And I don't think, like, I don't think Australia, that's another thing that we're really interested in too is, like, the role of truth-telling. Yeah. And how truth-telling can help to shape our national identity because I don't think that we've gone through that process fully here at all in Australia. I was, I was talking recently, Hayley, with a... Yeah, with a friend of mine, and and this idea that truth itself is is anti trauma, and that it's only by being able to speak truth and have it really heard that we can ever make progress. I mean, otherwise everything is just baked. Well, frankly, we know Australia was baked on a lie with terra nullius, empty land, yeah. Latin. You know, the idea that there were no human beings inhabiting the continent of Australia. Um, I mean, that's baked into our national psyche and it's um, very problematically so. Yeah, or that I think it's even another, it's not just that um, we weren't here. I think there were like plenty of early explorer <laughs> um, journals and articles that said we were here. I think there was more of an issue that we were classed as flora and fauna. Yeah. You know? That's actually, we didn't, they didn't rate us as human, you know? So I think that's like that dehumanization has actually been part of our story for a long, long time. Um, but you're right, you know, um, truth telling is important um, because it's about actually what follows truth telling and. It's about justice and healing. Mm. I mean, um, I was in a forum uh, last week with um, Greg Phillips from the Ebony Institute and he said, you know, there's actually healing that has to be done by non-Indigenous people about that story about coming to Australia as convicts. Like to feel like your own country rejected you, put you on ships and sent you off, that you were rejected by your own home country. There's, that's a healing story around that as well. Yeah. You know, but we we try and frame it up as like, um, yeah, like this kind of noble kind of story when really just be honest yeah. <laughs> about what that actually means. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. Uh, I mean, I, I think I'd love you to share more as well about uh, almost the kind of the broader context of this, Haley. you know, um, with, you know, with where, where do we go to from here? I mean, the year is 2021. We're well into the 21st century now. And there's still healing that has to be done. There's still reconciliation and truth-telling that's part of that. Uh, what's, what's your understanding? What would you say to us about how do we really get to a point where we can fully embrace who we are as a country in 2021 and all the diversity and the incredible 
you know, wisdom sharing that's been taking place here for thousands of generations. You know, what do you think really needs to, to happen for us to kind of get to that point where all of us can just be so like, yeah, just so proud of what we're doing and be on the path. You know, like the statement from the heart, the Uluru statement comes to my mind, for example, as one, yeah. one articulation of, of potentially some ways forward. What, what's, what's your reflections on all this? Well, I think one is, well, I, I, I still see it as like we need to go through that national process of truth-telling and there needs to be, um, I feel like, that, that form of justice first and foremost for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I just don't see any way forward until we can deal with with that issue of how Aboriginal people were treated yeah. in the past and how it continues to influence ourselves and our um, values today. Mm. And then I think for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we have to go through that process of, um, you know, and, and not every nation is the same, obviously, Everyone's got their own history with colonization. Yeah. But uh, like we have to go through our own nation rebuilding type of processes as well, you know, to, and for me, at the core of that is a First Nations led education system. Mm. You know, one where, you know, it, it's, in, it's in line with the country that it sits on, it's um, embedded and driven by the local traditional owners and that it aligns with the aspirations of those um, of, of the local nation that that school or learning institution sits on. Um, and I think, you know, people say like, oh, Hayley, what, like that's just, I've had people, even some Aboriginal people say to me like it just doesn't sound feasible. You know, like, <laughs> why would you open up schools just for Aboriginal kids? But it's not, I wouldn't see it that way, that it would just be exclusive. I would see a First Nations-led education system as an acknowledgement mm. of Indigenous knowledge systems and actually First Nations self-determination and sovereignty and that as a non-Indigenous person living on Aboriginal land, um, you actually have the opportunity to also go through an education and learning system that's founded on Indigenous ways of being, doing and knowing if that's your choice. Mm. I, think, I think that's also another fundamental piece is that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people deserve, have the right to choose, but for so many reasons and so many times our choices are being taken away. And so how do we start to um, organise ourselves so that we can actually reclaim some of those choices, actually? Mm. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's where I see the way forward. I think education sits at the heart of it, yeah. but also centering um, First Nations people in that. Actually, there was, there was an, ex an example I learned about um, last week at this truth-telling Healing and Justice Forum, actually, where they talked about the Holocaust and how Germany 
made so many inroads into making sure that everyone understood and learned about the Holocaust. You know, they constructed um, museums mm. about the Holocaust. You know, everyone knows and acknowledges what happened. But actually how much of that education was actually um, driven and centred the voices and experiences and perspectives of the Jewish community. I think that was another question that was raised there. Mm. So that we have to acknowledge, like, the power imbalances that ex- continue to exist and ways where First Nations people can be centred but where also at the same time all the labour is not just put on First Nations people too. Mm. You know, Haley, as you know, I mean, my own journey as an educator really began on, well, it began on Anangul Munda, on Anangul country in the central desert of Australia. And that was a really powerful experience for me as a mm-hmm. non-Indigenous man in Australia, was just to, I mean, just to realise how, frankly, oblivious I was, uh, mm. and in some ways continue to be, although I have, I have a strong no, passion for so. learning. Um, you know, about how really the incredible richness that exists mm-hmm. in Australia and how it's, it is our, it's our greatest opportunity. Yeah. Really. It's like, you know, all, you, all, one, all someone needs to do is just travel around the world and say, yeah, I'm an Aussie, I'm an Australian. You know, mm-hmm. and that comes, you know, that means something, I, mm-hmm. I think. And we, I st- we're not there yet. I mean, I don't know if we would even argue that we're making really significant progress, but it, I'm an optimist. So, of course, I would say, well, I think we are. It's just not fast enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'd love for you to take us into this idea, um, particularly for, you know, in my role as an educator, around kind of cultural safety or psychological yeah. safety. I mean, what is it that, that we need to do in school? So beyond the self-determined um, piece, which yeah. is really important, you know, the idea that like, we – Every school now is just incredibly diverse. Yeah. How do we ensure that we are acknowledging, valuing, respecting all the human beings, you know, as educators, which is what we want to do, um, in a way that ensures people feel like they belong and they feel like they're yeah. seen and they're valued? Yeah. Well, I've got like a little bit of a yarn if you indulge oh, yeah? me. Of course. But I love this um, – Netflix show called Ugly and Delicious. <laughs> Ugly Delicious. <laughs> okay. Yep, I'm with you. Okay. Anyway, he goes into the different history of different foods, right? Right. And he, um, this presenter, David Chan, he looks at um, the origins of pizza and how it started in uh, Nepali, in Italy. And to be an authentic pizza, you have to have, you know, a particular yeast from this place, particular tomatoes, particular um, mozzarella. Like it has to be all locally derived and that's how you get an authentic Nepali pizza, right? But then he goes to Norway Mm. and he meets this incredible chef who wanted to produce authentic certified Nepalese pizzas, you know, so he would import the ingredients um, from, you know, Italy, like the right tomatoes, the right yeast, everything, so it could be certified. But it was just so bloody expensive. And so he said, well, actually, I'll make a different type of, I'm in in Europe, I'll use like locally derived um, ingredients for my base 
um, and I'll use the own my own toppings. Mm. It won't be an authentic pizza in the sense, but it'll be one that works for us. Right. And so I think my challenge to educators and really the broader education system is that we know that the base of our education system is colonization. We have huge equity issues in in our education system that they didn't form overnight, you know. This is years and years and years of um, uh, work, which if you trace it all back, starts with how Aboriginal people were, um, how education was actually used to assimilate and, and control those populations, right? It, it's never been about equity in our system. And even though there's been advancements, that's always going to be a tinge there. And so I, I just question how much can we change um, in terms of cultural safety when the way that we train our teachers, um, you know, we don't teach the full history um, for pre-service teachers. There's barely any Indigenous units being offered, even though there's some, but it's not, there's not heaps. Um, there's hardly any, there's not enough professional development mm. opportunities. The curriculum um, is still cr- a bit crowded and, <coughs> sorry, and even though there's, you know, the overarching priorities around Aboriginal histories and culture, it's not mandatory. And then we have just like the implementation of 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 delivering education. Yeah. Um, so like I I understand that cultural safety is important and there are steps that people can make in the classroom to be more culturally responsive. But I think we also have to push towards um realizing well what's the actual contemporary future facing young people Mm. what's the actual society we want um australia to be like and is our current education system fit for the task i'd say no and so i think we have to be innovative in thinking about how we actually start to change the foundations of of that education system so that it is locally derived and it, mm. it's fit for our purpose, mm. you know, because right now the cost is just like <laughs> importing really expensive ingredients. It's too expensive um, right now to make a mistake in education, um, especially when young people are looking at climate change and mm. all the issues that they're yeah. going to inherit. So that was a long-winded answer of saying, yeah, it's really important, but we need systematic change. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and I also feel like pizza, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really profound. It's actually a really profound story. You know, the idea of what is it about us that's uniquely us, and why mm-hmm. don't we start from there as opposed to kind of the legacy? Uh, and I kind of really like this frame the the legacy social structures. Right? Yeah, that. And some people, you know, you and I might talk about systems and people saying systems are broken, but by and large, systems Systems are working. Yeah, they function as they were designed. Yeah. Which is a different perspective, which is just, but the problem is the design, you know, is deeply flawed, deeply colonial in Mm. many respects. Yeah. So it's why, it's why I think as individuals and as educators or as 
anyone just walking around the world, you know, it can seem like it's just overwhelming, but that there has yeah. to be the kind of this idea of we need to change the system itself, the features of it, the way that it, that it actually operates because yeah. we are, we are just, we're not just failing young kids. We're failing the adults that are working really hard trying to support them. Um, yeah. And that's why I really back like a first nations led education system. Cause I see that as the opportunity Yeah, to almost make, the leap like we have strong independent schools you know that are innovative and doing different things in different communities but how do we yeah I don't know I'm just super excited about the possibility of what that could mean and you know where we start to think about different forms of credentials and (laughs) recognizing learning based on different values um potentially so yeah, exciting times, I guess. Uh, I well, what's what's your articulation of the future we're fighting for, Haley, in this space? And you've talked a lot about First Nations led, and that that mm-hmm. clearly is because you are contributing directly to that work. If you were to fra- if we were to have this conversation, which I hope we can, in twenty years, yeah. so we'll have a few more whites, you and I. Uh, and we're having this conversation about education in, you know, somewhere across this beautiful nation of ours. Like, what do you hope we're actually talking about? Yeah. Well, I actually love this framing that I learned from Janine Muhammad, who's a amazing Ghana woman. Great. From South Australia. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, she, she's, she challenges us all to think about what kind of ancestor we're going to be, right? Yeah. And thinking as an ancestor, you have to be prepared to think about your children seven generations from now. These are these are people that you just, you love already by the thought that they're your descendants, um, but you, you'll never get to meet them. So I guess for them, if I'm talking about like what kind of ancestor I want to be and the legacy that I want to leave for them, I want my um, future young people to be able to, like I want to see my my Durumbul language fully being brought back and spoken. I want to see like our country and our environment being properly cared for. I want to see like Australia being the actual leaders in like different forms of energy and innovation. I want to see us like driving and being supportive of our our regions, especially with the Pacific, yeah, um, because we reckon because we've we've entrenched our um, young people in understanding what Indigenous country is and the importance of Indigenous nationhood, that we can better respect and better create our relationships with our small island or big ocean, I should say, <laughs> nice um, nations. Um, yeah, I think I just I just think of the possibilities around like just by tweaking or changing the way that we educate our young people, mm. we can really move this country and this region forward. And I just oh, I just want Australia just to get over this like racism being part of the identity being part of the you know what we're known for around the world like it's a horrible thing to be known for and um 
<laughs> I would love one day for like our prime minister, whoever that is, or prime minister of a republic, I should say. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. But to be like, you know, respected and adored just like Jacinda Ardern is internationally. Because, you know, we've 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 worked on our deep values, we've learned and, and listened to our past so that we have that sense of common ground to shape a, a stronger future. Mm. Really? That's what I hope for for that person. Wow. Hayley, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and maybe a long journey to get there, but as as our colleague Tony McKay would say, maybe we are the people we've been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, talking about future generations, that's my future generation here. Uh, I've, got, I've just got one final question for you. Um, which is in a sentence, what's your, what's your take-home message for listeners across all the kind of work and the different way that you're contributing to the education ecosystem and to First Nations-led education, to really kind of increasing the consciousness and the awareness around why this matters? What do you want to leave us with? Yeah, I think that my final take-home would be that really, uh, really invest your time in... In, in creating deep relationships within the community that you live in. And part of that is understanding that local history more deeply. I think that's a journey that we can all go, especially um, for young people who are maybe going through like that transient point, <laughs> living in mm. different cities, locations. It's hard to mm. maintain that connection, but yeah, just encourage you all to to think about those deep relationships you have in your life and, um, yeah, ones that give positive meaning to you to just nurture those, really. Brilliant. Haley, thank you so much for spending some time with us for the Learning Future podcast and thank you for the work you continue to do across Australia and across the world. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Learning Future podcast. To find out more about our work, drop into thelearningfuture.com and follow us at Learning Future on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Here's to building a world of thriving learners together.